Greetings, you're listening to podcast number 123 of Blast the Right. I'm your host, Jack Clark. Great to have you on board. Today, you'll see how right-wingers are lying about Democratic tax plans. You'll be treated to clips of Monica Crowley, Sean Hannity, John McCain. The results of a recent poll about taxing the wealthy may astound you. And what does Martin Luther King Jr. have to do with all this? Let's get right into it. Sources you'll hear include MediaMatters.org, The New York Times, The Stanford Institute for Economic Policy Research, JohnMcCain.com, The Wall Street Journal, The Boston Globe, Gallup.com, the website of the American Federation of Teachers, TaxFoundation.org, and Brookings.edu. I don't know if you've been listening to right-wing talk show hosts lately or been paying attention to what John McCain's been saying. Apparently, one of the GOP mantras for the presidential election will be that tried-and-true old chestnut, the Democrats want to raise your taxes. The big question, of course, is, who is the you in the phrase, your taxes? It is true that Democrats want to raise taxes on some people. That would be the truly wealthy. Right-wingers, however, want the public to think Democrats are talking about them, about raising taxes on the average American. To create this confusion, the Republicans mostly don't specify who the you in your taxes is. They'll even slyly work in the raise your taxes scare in the midst of talking about something else. Here's Monica Crowley with Neil Cavuto on Fox. The subject is whether Bill Clinton should decline his presidential pension since he's made so much money after retirement. But Crowley still gets in the raise your taxes mantra. You know, the hypocrisy of the Clintons is, well, we, we're happy to tax you. We're making all this money, and therefore we don't need the Bush tax cuts. Well, if that's the case then, then forfeit that money, give it back to the U.S. Treasury, and let the government uh, have more of your money, because that's what they're arguing for the rest of us, Neil. Um, there is something to be said for saying, well, look, especially for liberals like the Clintons who argue for increased taxes and, and against tax cuts, for them to say, look, I don't need this government stipend because I can certainly afford uh, to cover my own expenses on my own. The Clintons argue for increased taxes and against tax cuts. That's what they're arguing for the rest of us. In short, that's a lie, and Crowley knows it. Both Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama are for keeping the Bush tax cuts for anyone making under $250,000 a year. Only those making over $250,000 a year would have their tax cuts ended. How many Americans is that? Only the richest 3%. That would include Crowley and Cavuto, I'm sure. They're the kind of the rest of us Crowley's referring to. But 97% of the American public isn't. Now, while Crowley implicitly lies, I just heard Sean Hannity explicitly prevaricate about this. He starts off with the general type rhetoric. But they're going to run on raising taxes. They're going to run on on letting the Bush tax cuts expire. They're going to run on class warfare rhetoric. He likes to repeat this raise your taxes type mantra, oh, about 25 times every 60 minute show. But what really annoyed the heck out of me was when Hannity went on to make his lying explicit. 
from the top. But they're going to run on raising taxes. They're going to run on on letting the Bush tax cuts expire. They're going to run on class warfare rhetoric. I I don't think a family of four making 50 grand that got a $2,000 a year tax cut is going to buy into Hillary or Obama's plan, Congressman. Did you hear that? He's saying that Democrats would let the Bush tax cuts expire for those making 50 grand a year. Can Hannity get away with this? I'd like to ask Hannity, why are you misleading your audience? Are you ignorant or deliberately lying? It's hard for me to believe you don't know what the Democratic proposals are. If you don't, you're too incompetent to be given a mic. But you know, and I know, that you're perfectly aware of the truth. I've watched you been told it several times on your show. You just don't care. You're blatantly lying. You're lying to your audience. If they can't believe you about this, Sean, why should they believe you about anything else? They shouldn't. Okay, enough talking to Sean. He's not listening right now. You are. If your friendly local right-winger starts in about how Democrats want to raise taxes, don't let them off easy. Really slam them. It's just a patent lie. In fact, As with all things right-wing, it gets even worse. You could throw this in the face of your friendly local right-winger as well. Not only do Democrats not want to raise taxes on those making $50,000 a year and below, in other words, the middle and working class, Clinton and Obama intend to cut their taxes. According to the New York Times summary of their positions, their proposals involve a combination of preserving the child tax credit and expanding eligibility for it, reducing the marriage penalty for two-income households, and tripling the earned income tax credit and expanding eligibility for that as well. Next up, how you should reply if a right-winger counters, well, they weren't talking about income taxes, they were talking about other taxes. Your one-minute voting report, your continued five-star reviews in iTunes are most welcome. You only have to do it one time, it becomes a permanent review. So if you've been meaning to write a review, but haven't gotten around to doing it yet, now would be a great time to do so. You counter the one-star right-wing sabotage reviews, and because higher ratings mean increased visibility, you help spread the progressive word at the same time. Over at Podcast Alley, we're hanging in there at number nine in the top ten. Voting there is monthly, so please go over there and add a vote if you haven't done so already for May. Thanks. Let's say a right-winger says Democrats want to raise your taxes. Then you call them on the inconvenient fact that such would be the case only if you're one of the U's making over $250,000 a year, one of the wealthiest 3% of Americans. The right-winger might counter, that's not what I meant. I was talking about a different tax, not the income tax. You may then hear your conversational partner bring up any or all of payroll taxes and estate taxes and capital gains taxes. Actually, these three, plus other types of right-wing lies about taxes, could well fill up a separate podcast, and I think I'll do an in-depth look at these in the near future. For now, let me really quickly run through these three for you, so you can have your facts lined up to blast the right with when they try to mislead you in these arenas. Payroll taxes. In other words, the FICA, Social Security deduction, from your paycheck. 
Here's John McCain on this one as he spoke recently to Bill O'Reilly. You want to raise taxes or do you want to lower taxes? I don't believe you. At the, I think the worst time to raise taxes is in an economic downturn. And I won't do that. And he wants to do that. If you call people who are now are paying into Social Security, raising that cap and now encompassing millions and millions of more Americans, working men and women, uh, I don't think that's the rich in America. And I don't think that those people think they are either. Again, a lie. Right now, you pay Social Security taxes on the first $102,000 of income. After that, the cap, you pay nothing, no matter how much more you earn above $102,000. Obviously, a very regressive tax. The talk of lifting the cap is to put the Social Security system on a more stable economic footing. McCain says this will affect working men and women. Doesn't he know that only 1 in 10 Americans makes more than $102,000 a year? Lifting the cap wouldn't affect fully 90% of American taxpayers. In fact, Hillary, unlike Obama, has said she wouldn't raise the cap at all. And Obama says that while he'd raise it, he'd do it with a donut hole. In other words, the tax wouldn't kick in again until some income level way above $102,000. So that would mean even fewer than 10% of Americans would be affected by this. On from the payroll tax to the estate tax. You may have heard about how Democrats want to take all your money when you die through the death tax, what right-wingers call the estate tax. Both Clinton and Obama do say they'll keep the estate tax past 2009, but with the built-in exemption before it even kicks in. Three and a half million dollars for an individual, seven million dollars for a married couple. You heard me right. Only those who die with more than three and a half or seven million dollars in their estates will pay any estate tax. Would you incur the estate tax? Only something like one percent of Americans do. Ninety-nine percent of Americans pay no estate tax. Finally, you have capital gains. Here's McCain trying to mislead you again. There's a hundred million people that are dependent on capital gains. He wants to raise their taxes. People who have saved their hard-earned money every month and put it into some kind of investment. You bet Democrats are talking about raising the capital gains tax, which Bush drastically cut. This is, again, a tax that impacts primarily the wealthy. In 2003, the richest 1% of Americans got 57% of all capital gains income. The top 10% an even more whopping 79%. The average American derives very little of their income from capital gains. Raising the capital gains tax is a progressive taxation measure because it shifts the tax burden to a more wealthy segment of the population. Is McCain repeating his embarrassing 401k era here? As a New York Times editorial nicely put it, among his more peculiar recent comments is his insistence that today's super low tax rates on capital gains, which overwhelmingly benefit the very richest Americans in which he wants to preserve, are important for working people with 401k retirement plans. Memo to Mr. McCain. 401k savers get no benefit from a low capital gains rate. All of the money in those plans is eventually taxed at ordinary income tax rates, not at the special reduced rate for capital gains. End of quote. McCain shows total ignorance and incompetence. He's admitted he's no genius when it comes to economic matters. In 2005, he said, 
I'm going to be honest. I know a lot less about economics than I do about military and foreign policy issues. I still need to be educated. As recently as late 2007, he admitted, The issue of economics isn't something I've understood as well as I should. I've got Greenspan's book. Wow. You might find it interesting that McCain's wealthy wife, Cindy, who bankrolled McCain's political career after McCain divorced his first wife, is there any Republican who hasn't had one or more divorces? Cindy McCain refuses to release her tax returns. They'd likely show a lot of capital gains income, the exact kind McCain wants to keep the rates super low on. With all this, you gotta remember, by varying estimates, the richest 10% of Americans have gotten somewhere between 60 and 80% of the benefit of Bush's tax cuts. The Democratic plans ought to restore some balance. Next. Sorry, Monica. Sorry, Sean. Sorry, John. Sorry, all you sorry right-wingers. The American public ain't buying your propaganda. I'm taking my country back. Son, you ain't been doing her right. Oh, I've been watching you and I don't like how you've been treating my stars and stripes. You took our jobs and sent them overseas. Now we owe billions to the Red Chinese. You blew the budget and you bossed our rack. So I'm taking my country back. We had a bundle. You've just heard how, beyond a shadow of a doubt, the Democratic candidate for president won't be proposing any tax increase on anyone but the very wealthiest Americans, like those who earn above $250,000 a year in income, Couples who leave estates valued at more than $7 million. Right-wingers would have you believe that the public hates taxes and wants lower taxes for everyone. Wrong, as the right invariably is. The Gallup polling organization recently asked the following question. Do you think our government should or should not redistribute wealth by heavy taxes on the rich? Can you guess the results? Surely only a couple of percent of the far left, the loony left, the socialist, the communists would agree with that. Certainly, that's the impression you'd get if you listen to Bill O'Reilly and the like. When you hear far left Americans use the terms economic justice or income inequality, you should know these are code words for socialism. Go on, just take a guess. What do you think the number is who agree with heavily taxing the rich to redistribute wealth? Hold on to your hat. A majority of Americans agreed with that course of action. 51% of Americans agreed that the government should levy heavy taxes on the rich and redistribute wealth. That 51% is an increase from last year's plurality when the question was asked of 49%. You heard about it in Podcast 92. That 51% is the highest number ever recorded since the question was first asked in the middle of the Great Depression in 1939. More Americans are redistributionist-oriented now than in the Great Depression? You bet! Back in 1939, only 35% of Americans agreed with heavily taxing the rich. 51% do now. This is despite some 28 years from Reagan's ascendancy in 1980 of relentless right-wing propaganda. Propaganda about the dire necessity to lower taxes, especially on the wealthy. Things continue to head in a progressive direction. Sorry, Mr. and Ms. Right-Winger, history is leaving you behind. 
In fact, there's an even juicier number in this Gallup poll. 63% of the public told Gallup that the rich don't pay their fair share, that they pay too little in taxes. So why do only 51% want heavy taxes on the rich to redistribute wealth? Listener Peter had a good analysis. You wrote, Peter, that you, quote, think that the word that turns people off is redistribution. That makes it sound like welfare. The government will tax the rich and then send us average guys a check in the mail. If the poll question was worded, do you favor taxing the wealthy more heavily to support and improve our defense, education, infrastructure, law enforcement, legal and banking systems, etc., I think the yes vote would be much higher. I agree, Peter. Now, I'd like to ask you to think back on that clip of Hannity I played. There's one other element he snuck in there that really needs to be addressed. Listen again and you'll be able to easily pick it out. But they're going to run, run on raising actual... taxes. They're going to run right. on, a, the, uh, on letting the Bush tax cuts expire. They're going to run on class warfare rhetoric. Class warfare! The right screams class warfare all the time. The evil Democrats are conducting class warfare. No. The Gucci shoe is on the other foot, the right-wing foot. Pointing out the economic injustice of right-wing tax policy isn't conducting class warfare. The Bush tax plan itself is class warfare. I'm looking at this chart based on IRS data. It shows for each year since 1980 the percentage of income earned by the top 1%, 10%, etc. Now listen to this. In 1980, the top 1% in this country earned about 8% of all the income. By 2005, their share had almost tripled to 21%. During that same time period, the income share of the bottom half of the country went down. It declined from 17 to 13%. In other words, since Reagan took office and began implementing the right-wing reverse Robin Hood economic agenda, the very wealthiest one out of 100 Americans almost tripled their share of the income pie. But those on the bottom half of the scale saw their piece of the pie shrink. Sure, there's class warfare going on. By the right, on behalf of the wealthy, against everyone else. I always think of this analogy. It's like when right-wing racists accuse Martin Luther King Jr. of creating racial conflict when he demonstrated and marched and sat in against segregation. But Dr. King's exposing and protesting against racial injustice wasn't causing racial conflict. That racial conflict was already underway. It was in the form of the brutal oppression of the African-American population. The civil rights movement was defending against the racial warfare being conducted against it. Likewise, any class warfare that exists today is in the form of the right-wing assault on the financial integrity of the poor, working, and middle class not by those who expose and condemn it. We progressives are defending against the economic warfare being conducted against the majority of Americans by the right-wing Bush administration. And speaking of Martin Luther King, you'll hear next about how, had he lived, Dr. King wouldn't have been accused by the right solely of causing racial conflict. No, Sean Hannity and the rest of the current-day crop of right-wing propagandists would have been accusing Dr. King of conducting class warfare as well. Stay tuned. Now I'm stocking shirts in the Walmart store Just like the ones we made before Except this one came from Singapore I guess we can't make it here anymore 
Dude, I hate a people for the shade of their skin Or the shape of their eyes or the shape I'm in Should I hate them for having our jobs today? No, I hate the men sent the jobs away I can see them all now, they haunt my dreams All lily white and squeaky clean They never known want, they never known need The don't stink and the kids won't bleed The kids won't bleed in the damn little war And we can't make it here anymore I've played for you many times parts of Martin Luther King's Beyond Vietnam speech, where he unambiguously took the side of the third world poor against multinational corporations and Western-supported right-wing dictatorships. I'm really excited because I just found out about a speech Dr. King gave to striking sanitation workers in Memphis, Tennessee. This was on March 18, 1968, just two and a half weeks before he was assassinated in Memphis. It's sort of a domestic counterpart to the Beyond Vietnam speech. I haven't found a recording. I don't know if one exists. So I'll have to read you these excerpts from what Dr. King said that day in Memphis. Quote, So often we overlook the worth and significance of those who are not in professional jobs. But let me say to you tonight that whenever you are engaged in work that serves humanity, it has dignity and it has worth. It is a crime for people to live in this rich nation and receive starvation wages. I need not remind you that this is the plight of our people all over America. Did you know that most of the poor people in our country are working every day? They are making wages so low that they cannot begin to function in the mainstream of the economic life of our nation. These are facts which must be seen. Close quote. Dr. King is basically arguing in favor of a living wage something right-wingers vehemently oppose. Heck, many right-wingers oppose any minimum wage laws at all. Dr. King goes on to describe how economic oppression can trump the eradication of racial oppression. Quote, Now our struggle is for genuine equality, which means economic equality, for we know now that it isn't enough to integrate lunch counters. What does it profit a man to be able to eat at an integrated lunch counter if he doesn't have enough money to buy a hamburger? Now is the time. Get the word across to everybody in power in this town that now is the time to make real the promises of democracy. Now is the time to make an adequate income a reality for all of God's children. Now is the time to make real the promises of democracy. Close quote. Wow. Dr. King here says that the promise of democracy is not just the equal right to public accommodation, but the right to earn a living wage. I urge you to go read the full speech at the link on my data resources page. You'll actually find another part of the speech where King says something that'll blow your mind, as we used to say back in the day, something that'll blow your mind insofar as it relates to a current day controversy in the presidential election. I'll certainly be talking about it in a future podcast. Before I close, Mimi from L.A. sent me a funny and perceptive comment. I'm abbreviating it here a bit. You wrote, Mimi, Wealthy elitists suffer from a sociopathology called greed. Right now we're acting as enablers who allow the alcoholic to keep drinking, or in this case, to allow the greedaholic to keep demanding more. Just as an alcoholic needs to be confronted to face reality that he, she has a problem, so do greedaholics need an intervention by us now before it's too late. 
We need to stop them from demanding and being excessive for their own good, as well as ours. By making the elitists pay higher taxes, we're actually helping them as well as ourselves. How's that for reverse psychology? Let's help the rich by preventing them from having too much. I love it, Mimi. Let me close by citing former Supreme Court Justice Oliver Wendell Holmes, who said, Taxes are what we pay for a civilized society. Right-wingers don't want that. They want a law of the jungle, where the wealthy and strong survive and prosper, and the rest of the people, who cares? Progressives care. And make no mistake about it, many wealthy people are progressives. Those of you right-wingers who email me that I'm a jealous poor person, how do you know I'm poor? I'm not poor. Far from it. Was FDR poor? It's not wealth itself or the wealthy per se I rail against. It's right-wing policies that allow the unbridled greed and economic violence of some of the wealthy to run roughshod over everyone else. That's what I rail against. And that's what you and I are determined to stop. Well, that'll about wrap it up for today. If you like what you heard, please tell a friend about Blast the Right. Vote for Blast the Right at podcastalley.com. And, of course, write a five-star review for Blast the Right in the iTunes Music Store if you haven't done so already. A special shout-out to all you Live 365 and Red Dragon 365 listeners. Great to have you on board. Why don't you come over to the podcast homepage, subscribe for free, and then you can download and listen to any episode of the podcast anytime you want. Thanks to Kit in Rocky Mount, North Carolina for help with this week's podcast. And a special thanks to that great website, MediaMatters.org, for providing me with a transcript. A couple of questions. Does anyone have access to LexisNexis for my occasional need to get cable show transcripts? Please drop me a line. Also, if you'd be able to occasionally videotape for me a Fox Cable talk show, please let me know as well. Drop me a line. And now a word from the Progressive Podcast Network. The Progressive Podcast Network. Now we are the media. Listen to your media. Take your country back. ProgressivePodcastNetwork.org Music credits. The break music was The Schnee Speaks by KG House combined with the alternate Blast the Right theme by Nye's Music and Not the One Blues by Burn She Thornside. Also, We Can't Make It Here by James McMurtry and Taking My Country Back by Honky Tonkers for Truth. We'll close with a little bit of One Big Union by Matthew Grimm and the Red Smear. Links to all the music I play on Blast the Right can be found on my music resources page. Links to all the statistics and quotations I use can be found on the data resources page. Both of them are linked to off the main podcast homepage. You get to the main podcast homepage by typing in Blast the Right in Google, and I'm the first result. I love getting your comments, so keep them coming in. My address is rational at roadrunner.com. You can also call in and leave a comment for me to play on Blast the Right. You dial 310-933-5891 and leave a message. You can also use Skype to leave a message. My Skype name is Jack from Blast the Right. So, until next time, I'll sign off and say I love you all, including all you right-wing misguided souls. (laughs) 